Are you an entrepreneur? Have you taken that dream and working to manifest that into reality? You get up every day, the hard work, the grit, the determination. Well, this is the show for you. We feature stories of success, overcoming of failures, and experts from all around, from every industry to make you better at business. This is the Small Business Chronicles. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Small Business Chronicles. My name is Ryan Shear, and I'm here with Kimberly Williams, VP of People at Walker Advertising. How are you doing today, Kim? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So today we are going to talk about uh, hiring a workforce and how to do that. Uh, Kimberly is a HR representative and she knows kind of the modern day. It's different getting a workforce today than it was 15, 20 years ago. I'll date myself a little bit. I'm 45. So when I entered the workforce in 1994, uh, it was you filled out a paper application. If you knew somebody there, you got hired. That's kind of how it worked back in the day. And we all know today is completely different. Uh, so, so where, where do you want to start? Cause you're the expert here. Uh, <laughs> so where, where would you like to start about how to, how business owners can hire a decent workforce today and keep everybody happy and everybody out of trouble? Yeah, no, I, th I think I'll, um, echo two points that you just made. Um, I'm older than you and I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I kind of come from that generation where, you know, if my boss said jump, my response was how high. And so there's a lot of bosses out there and managers out there that kind of bring that thinking into the workplace. And now we're starting to hire a new generation where you say jump, they're going to say, why, you know, <laughs> why am I being asked to do that? And, and so you have these different philosophies. And then I think on top of that, not only has it changed since our time, it's changed since last week. We're just in this period of kind of really wild swings in the labor market. And, you know, you've got so many new terms coming up, so many new philosophies coming up. And a lot of it is being driven by a younger workforce that kind of knows their power. We're looking at huge shifts in demographics. So in spite of what news you may hear today, we are still in a, it's not just really a labor shortage, it's technically a labor drought. A lot of folks retired out ahead of schedule during the pandemic. Um, we also saw after, you know, 2008, a lot fewer babies were born. So, you know, people just weren't in a financial place to grow families in the way that they had been able to do before. So you don't have the numbers kind of coming in behind. And then you throw in AI on top of all of that, and then you just got like a whole other mix. So it's, it's not a boring time to be working in <laughs> talent assessment um, for sure. But what is nice is um, the humanity in all of this. You know, as a lot of folks are get, finding their voice, we're seeing massive changes in the laws that are protecting employees in ways they haven't been before. A lot of folks in my generation talk about horrible experiences, you know, abusive bosses and things that we just endured. And the good news now is that that's changing in, in a, a, a really significant way. But I think it's also very, very important that business owners understand that landscape because it can come with very high risk for companies. What are some of those risks? Because uh, you say it comes with high risk. How, what are the risks that we didn't face back in 1990s, early 2000s that business owners are facing today? 
So I think, you know, back at that particular time, if you had someone complain about a toxic work environment or they were experiencing discrimination or harassment, it didn't end well for the employee. There was no power, no leverage. Most of the time, their careers and reputations were destroyed. There's a lot more support on the company side. And we've taken a wild swing in the other direction. So we're seeing single discrimination cases, like one recently in Texas, where a FedEx employee, one race discrimination claim, I believe it was just one claim, $366 million um, that FedEx had to pay out for that one claim. And so even if FedEx had won, the amount they had spent in legal fees, the damage to their reputation would have been so significant that it's, it's probably not something a small business could withstand. And given the fact that you've seen over 70 new laws come in place since Me Too and counting. I mean, every single day there's a new labor and employment law that's coming in. Pay equity is incredibly hot right now. And so employees are seeing this, the media is picking it up, and attorneys are getting very creative in how they go after companies, even in places where the law may not protect them. So what do you think precipitated this change? Was there was there a instant cutoff or was it kind of a gradual thing? Because you mentioned me too, mm-hmm. that that was a pretty big revolutionary in, in hiring, firing, how things existed. So was it just me too or was it a combination of things? I think, yeah, I think you saw a series of movements coming about, you know, where you also had the Black Lives Matter movement that, you know, was a big shakeup for a lot of corporations, also passed through a lot of laws after that. Um, Because I think what began to happen is, you know, through social media, all these people having kind of individual experience were able to come together in kind of one very loud voice. And, and there's a lot of power in that. And it changes how people negotiate and what people are demanding for their companies. Um, and then that, too, can translate into, you know, different states passing different types of laws. And, you know, so like now we're seeing like, you know, California, where my company is based, is, is probably... I think they would say that they are the most employee-friendly state that is out there, but now you've got New York, you've got Colorado, you're starting to see cities even that are looking at ways to protect employees. And I personally think a lot of them are looking at it as a little bit of revenue, you know, like some of these cities that are saying, oh, we have teleworkers moving here. We're going to raise the minimum wage because they get a cut of that. <laughs> and so you're seeing right. incentives begin to change too. So as, as a business owner, what, what would you tell a business owner that is, they, they've, they've started with the dream, they've got it, now they're to the point that they need to hire employees, they need to start a workforce, even if it's one or two people, because that's where it starts, or three, or maybe you've boomed and you need five or six. So what, how do you start down that path to make sure you're hiring the right workforce? Yeah, and so I think it's, completely natural that when you're, you know, starting your own business, top of mind is I need money to come in the door. You know, there's an immense amount of pressure on founders to make sure that their dream lives and survives and grows and matures. And so a lot of times there can be this kind of laser focus on revenue generation. And sometimes HR is an afterthought where you see that, you know, it's only after you start to experience problems in the workplace or after you've made a bad hire that you really start to look at some of those stuff. So I really try to encourage people to think about it ahead of time. You don't have to commit to hiring an HR person. There's plenty of fractional people. There's plenty of coaches. There's plenty of um, folks that are out there that will offer that advice for free. I think some things to think about, too, is 
try not to just look at these first few hires as just someone in a vacuum, because if it's a good fit, they're going to grow with you in a pretty significant, visible way. And so are you hiring them because they're just like you? Are they a cultural fit or are they a cultural ad? And, you know, if you can think down the road where your company has 100, 200 people, how would those people also fit in a world that looks like that, too? That's very fair. What What are some of the things that employers that are just now getting into hiring workforce. We were talking earlier about changes. What are some of those things that they need, like specifically that they need to watch out for that they may not realize is what is HR no-no, faux pas, however you want to call it, <laughs> that they're not going to be front of mind or aware of? Because Me Too, uh, race discrimination, that, that that's kind of up front. We, we mm-hmm. understand those. What are some of the ones maybe people don't 100% understand or or for front of mind? Yeah, I think right now there's a, a lot of conversation around pay equity and it's so new. A lot of people don't really understand it and it can get very scary, but I think that there's an opportunity to, to don't wait till your company grows and try and go back and clean something up, but be very thoughtful about pay bans and transparency. There actually is a win for an organization that speaks to this stuff because at the end of the day, every single employee you have is going to want to feel like they're in a system that's fair. And so the more you can talk about that, the more I think it benefits you and makes you a more attractive employer. Make it easy for people to come on board. But I also think communicating to them that they're valued as human beings has enormous amount of power in, in this market too. And I think, you know, flexibility where you can do that can also be a big win. You know, I know there's a lot of folks that still feel like, We all need to be in person. Um, But I work for a remote first company that has doubled in size in the last year. And so I know when I go post a job, you know, I'll see 4,000 applicants in two hours. I wouldn't have that if we were having them come into the office. Um, And then I also think pay attention to your company handbook. Nobody looks at this, but it's such a blind spot. And so, you know, think about it early and think about, you know, contracting with an attorney or finding some things that you can download because, A lot of times what we're now starting to see are breach of contracts, um, where in states that may not be, say, employee friendly, you know, maybe harder to make a claim for discrimination or sexual harassment, um, but they could go after you for enormous amount of money if they find that you have policies and you're ignoring them. Or if you don't have policies, there can be some real risk there in lawsuit land. Uh, To back up a little bit, you were talking about remote work versus office work. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it seems my brain says it should be easier to manage remote people because you don't have those interactions that can be toxic or can be taken out of context or in context and wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So what are some of the differences in HR between managing your remote force and an in-office force? Yeah, and I think you really hit on an important point there because we've we've heard a lot of um, pushback that are coming from specific groups in terms of going back into the office. You know, we see a lot of women saying, you know, I also have childcare responsibilities or things around the house, and it's impossible for me to maintain these two jobs when you throw a commute into this. Um, but we have heard a lot of folks who feel like they're a minority in that culture, um, where there may be, you know slights or unintended remarks that are, you know, 
kind of emotionally taxing on these folks that they're constantly navigating through the day. And they are articulating that right now, saying, I don't have to code switch. I don't have to change how I present. Um, And, you know, I'm able to focus more and produce more in an environment where I have a little bit of um, separation. And then, of course, I think, you know, there's also the office gossip, the water cooler stuff. And, you know, some of those employees that want to come in and talk about what they did for Friday night for four hours while everyone's trying to work around them. And so uh, it can definitely swing both ways. Oh, no, absolutely. And so what are some of the benefits of um, being in office? Because we know because that's kind of a big struggle right now. Because you're right, there's a lot of pushback to return to the office. I work remote. My headquarters is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, I got another office an hour and a half from me. I I talking remote. I rented a little office to where I can get away, where where there's distractions at home that I can come and get away. I love remote work. I don't know that I would ever be a fan of going back to an office nine to five. But there's some companies that are pushing to come, return to work and to do that nine to five again. Are there any upsides? Are you? I guess I'm asking you to take a side on work from home <laughs> versus remote work. Yeah, I mean, I think the big question is, why do you want it? I mean, because I'm a little disheartened. I hear some folks saying, well, I paid all this money for this building and there's no one here, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, we recently downsized our office. You know, there's still folks who can come into it, but we know that it's not used as much. And so there's been some surprising motivations out there that, I might question. I have noticed on occasion, though, you know, I guess one point for folks who want to be back in the office, you know, there have been moments where I felt like I was having daisy chain conversations where, you know, I talked to somebody and then I got to go follow up with somebody else. Those could, of course, potentially happen in the office. But I think for me, I ultimately land on the side of remote work because the type of talent, like people who are really, really good they're going to know that and they're going to use that as a negotiation point. So you you could be potentially limiting some of your rock stars um, that know that they have a choice and can go somewhere else that will take them. I do that. I love poaching people from, you know, I've gotten great talent because I find out that companies are pulling them back in and I will go actively recruit those folks and be like, we're fully remote and it's worked pretty well for me. So just something to think about. (laughs) No. And I've, I've seen that too, is that, that as these companies and bigger companies are going, hey, come back in. We're, we're not going to do work from home anymore. You got to come back in. Then there's a, almost an equal divide of companies that are doing exactly what you do. The little town that I live in, uh, it has 10,000 people in it. Do you have a pool of 10,000 people for your business or you have 300 million people mm-hmm. if you consider just America, but then we have other countries as well coming yeah. into the mix with now that we have remote work as well. So I kind of fall to that side too, but there's some instances that you have to be in an office. There's uh, any sort of manufacturing. I feel oh, yeah. creative. Yeah. Cla- I feel any sort of creative collaboration has suffered a little bit on the creative side of advertising, the business that I'm in, is that it, it suffered a little bit. There's a difference between a team's call and the energy in a room when you're creating something. So I, I'm not going to go all out and say I'm in favor a thousand percent of work from home, but but definitely my life is better. 
from yeah. from being able to work from home. And I think I, I think that's kind of ties into what we were talking about is this generation of workers coming in, the Gen Z and the newer one, their quality of life in a job is way more important than maybe mm -hmm. pay. I mean, pay is incredibly important. But when I look at uh, this agency wants to poach me and I want to go over here, but I do I got to do an eight to five and wear a tie versus, <laughs> you know, what I'm doing now. So I, I see that. So I, I'm going to agree with you a thousand percent. Well, and I also think there's the economics of it, you know, so like some of our best talent in our company are like way off in rural places in middle America. Um, and so if we were to force them to move to LA and a lot of these big companies are in very expensive urban areas. And so when you start doing the simple math of, okay, this is what a rent and mortgage are, you know, these are all the cost of living being in these areas. Is that pay even going to be that worth it, you know, that much worth it versus, you know, I could have a big house in this area for a lot less money and maybe I'm taking a, a $20,000 pay cut and working remote, but you know, their whole life feels better off in the end. Um, so yeah. And I also think what we're starting to see too, is that companies are beginning to do retreats. We actually have one that's coming up where we offer to fly the whole company into LA. We do all kinds of activities. So exactly to your point, the creative team can get together in person and really kind of work together. We split it with team building. We'll have a beach on the picnic or sorry, a picnic on the beach. And so, you know, um, those bonds, people are still craving those bonds, but they don't want to be, feel like they're forced or like locked into something to have them. Uh, another thing is a balance too that I want to talk about because as Gen Z enters the workforce, and I think a lot of the things they're asking for is long overdue, absolutely mm -hmm. long overdue, uh, coming from uh, bad conditions 20, 30 years ago when you were working to what they're doing now. But is there a balance that they're asking for too much? Is it... Is it because you mentioned these people do the the owners do have buildings that they're paying for and equipment that they're paying for and and some of the quality that they're asking for I agree with most of it but is there a cutoff point that business is no longer profitable you can give too much to the employee or you can go too much that your business isn't going to turn any profit anymore because I guess I'm saying you're too kind to your employees is that <laughs> is that a thing I think it, it potentially can be, but I think, you know, it also depends on what type of business you have too. Like you're pointing out with manufacturing, like there's no way around that. Like these are going to have to be people in a local area and you've got a very different set of circumstances. But so many jobs today are, are based on brain power. They're based on people. The, these people will be the innovative ideas that drive you forward. It, it'll oftentimes be their creativity, their suggestions, their understanding of an industry. That's the value that they're supposed to be bringing to the table. And so hopefully, you know, when you, when you open yourself up to these larger markets, you open yourself to a wider pool of talent and you're getting better people because you showed them some love, there should be a return on that investment. You know, you should be able to say like, well, we got this rock star and they brought in, you know, X millions of dollars. Um, and one person can do that. And I've seen that in organizations do that, but they wanted remote, you know? And so, um, I think it's okay to give it to them. I think a lot of it is just wrapping around that performance and saying, here are the milestones we want to see. Here's the growth that we want to see. And, um, speaking to it early to make sure you're attracting that individual and giving them what they want. I think it's cheaper to do remote work um, <laughs> and you get better talent. I see a good return there, but I know not everybody um, agrees. 
I think some of it as a supervisor, you know that you, you hear stories about people that are overemployed. They're working two full-time jobs mm -hmm. from home because they can manage that. You hear of, we, we've struggled with people working from home, not accomplishing tasks, not doing things. You know, they are doing childcare, then you're trying to have a professional meeting. And, and mm -hmm. so, so you have those things in the background. I think it takes the right person. And I think you're right. The people that evolve and can nail the work from home thing are amazing. And I think the people that can't in the future are going to be weeded out and they're going to have to go back to showing up because just like I have my little office that I have to escape from home, wife, kids, all that running around, I come here so I can think and I can work. Yeah. But my headquarters is far away. So I think the people that have nailed work from home are going to continue to grow and excel in it. And the people that haven't are just going to struggle their way through it until they end back up in an office. And I could be completely wrong. I preface anything I say with that. <laughs> well, um, but I actually agree. I mean, so for me, like I look at remote work as precious. I look at our culture is incredibly precious. And so I write policies that are very clear up front that, you know, you have to have that childcare in place. Like, you know, that we set these expectations and, and they're reasonable expectations, just like anybody that's doing work. You know, you need to have that, that time to be able to think and process and engage with the work in the way that we need you to. Um, but we also take very quick action if things aren't working out. And, and the view I take on that is, you know, it may sound mean, it may sound harsh on the surface, but if somebody's not pulling their weight, they're hurting 10 other people, bare minimum. You know, they're hurting customers, they're hurting the company, they're hurting their team who's having to pull weight for them. And so I kind of have a philosophy, as soon as I hear something, I come in and I start a conversation. Hey, what's going on? I try and learn. Do you need more support? Do you need more resources? But I don't drag that out. You know, I don't look the other way. I don't pretend it's not happening. We're very, very quick to move because we feel like a lot of this stuff is a privilege and we know that there's somebody else who will view it that way and, you know, treat it precious like, like we do. All right. So one more subject before we close out here, you'd mentioned up front AI, mm -hmm. uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, we know that it's affected everything. It's affected things at our company. It's affected things probably at your company, mm -hmm. at, at places worldwide, content writers, uh, bloggers, website building. It's, it's coming in. It can code. It can do all of these things. So in HR, how has AI affected HR? Positively. Um, I think in a lot of sense, you know, for me, the entire, my entire career in HR, I've always looked to reduce admin burdens. Nobody wants to be filling out forms. Nobody wants to be doing a lot of the stuff that HR is known for, that compliance side. And so if it's able to automate something, draft a letter in 30 seconds so I can clean it up and save 20 minutes and get that out the door, every single bit of that frees me up to focus on the messy business of people, which, you know, I don't know how AI is ever going to figure that out. Um, but it, it lets me get in to say, okay, you know, what's going on here today? You know, do we have a complaint here? Let's break this down. Um, because there's um, no shortage of that with people. And that's actually what I love and why I went into HR that, you know, people come in with crazy, complicated, messy problems. And, and I love untangling them. So for me, I actually see this as a win. I don't want to be filling out paperwork either. I want to be engaging people, helping them get where they want to go, you know, kind of getting into that creative side of HR where the, you're emotionally connecting with other people and supporting them. That's the high value 
part of HR and um, AI frees us up to do that. I, I agree. Uh, I was watching a show the other day. I don't remember what it was. And it didn't, it said that uh, lawyers are never going to be replaced by AI. Lawyers <laughs> that use AI are going to replace other lawyers. And I think we're seeing that in our industry is that if you if you have a job and you use it as it should be as an assistant, uh, I, I think it, it's going to make everybody's life certain amount easier. It, it's not at this day and age, it's not good enough to take anybody's job really, but it can assist you. It can help with your workloads. Just like you said, just like mine, I have to write letters, show descriptions, this, that, or whatever. You just learn how to prompt, throw it in there, save half of your day for the three jobs you're working because you're working. For yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't do that. Bad advice. Bad, no, yes, bad very advice. bad advice. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, I got to balance all the good advice you give with just a little bit of bad advice. So, okay. <laughs> all right. We have, uh, we have Kimberly Williams from uh, Walker Advertising VIP or VP of people. She is a VIP, but she's the VP of people. Um, so wrap it up, whatever you want to say, this is your opportunity. How do we get a hold of you? How do we take advantage of what you have to offer? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always looking to connect to folks. You know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You know, I'm at linkedin.com, Kimberly-E-Williams. So I'm pretty easy to find. Um, I have a lot of resources where I talk about the high-risk things, how to avoid it. Um, some of the pressure points that I think are good for business owners to know about. I've published articles sometimes and, and share those there, um, but also have links to resources too. So um, feel free to check that out or DM me and um, just happy to connect with folks and talk about the stuff. It's my favorite subject. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on today, Kim. Uh, how to get a hold of her will be in the show notes. I'll make sure that uh, we put your LinkedIn in the bio and in the show notes so we can get a hold of you. Once again, thank you so much for taking your time out today. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too.